You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 89 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. And as you probably know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, we recently released not one, but three nonfiction guides for authors. And we launched these books wide. So today we were thinking that we were going to share a bit of our reflections on how it all went and I guess what can be expected when launching nonfiction books. I think it's exciting. I think my first comment would be, three to three books at once? <laughs> what was the deal with that? But I guess we can get to <laughs> I, I <don't> maybe, <laughs> maybe if we think it's an idea to just throw it all together and have a really big party. But it was fun and I'm so happy we finally have those out there. But first, yeah. it's been a week. How are things over in Denmark? I heard that uh, things actually COVID-wise are kind of good over there. Yeah, yeah, it's going pretty pretty good. Uh, as I just said before we started recording, the official count of people actually hospitalized at the moment for COVID-19 is 13 people. That's it that in the entire amazing. country. I can't even comprehend such a slow number. That's no. amazing. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, so because, and I was also over the weekend, I was out refereeing my first official tournament soccer match. So that was pretty cool oh, after all good. the, yeah, because after, you know, with, with the COVID-19 again and all that, um, I've had a few practice matches uh, here and there, but there's been far between because of all the lockdown. Mm-hmm. So this was the first real one, if you can call it that. <laughs> uh, so, were there so that fans was... and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh my were, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really exciting. That's like normal. Yeah, I mean, there was not a lot of people. There might have been, I don't know, 100 people watching Uh, or something. Still. Um, But but it was good. Uh, It was great to start again. Uh, Although I have to say the the stadium temperature, it read 33 degrees Celsius, which is like 91 Fahrenheit. Yeah, so warm. <laughs> you can imagine running around for 90 minutes. That was pretty damn warm. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have collapsed after the first five minutes. That's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was warm for sure. But uh, but actually, you you the players didn't uh, didn't slow down at all. You know, they yeah. went all in for 90 minutes, and they were well, we were all sweating like crazy afterwards. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good it was good match. It was good to get started. Uh, but then afterwards, I was really tired. Yeah. So I actually went home and watched something that I've started watching something new. Oh, really? What you would you pick up? Yeah, because uh, we recently got ourselves an Amazon Prime subscription. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and I've heard so many, so many times speak well of Battlestar Galactica, oh. and I've never watched it. No, have you watched it? I, no, I don't think I might have picked up an episode here or there, but I've never really watched it to to know what's going on or the characters or anything. No, okay, because I watched the first two seasons by now, uh-huh. and uh, it, it is slightly dated, but it's it's still very good, you know, because 
I, I understand what all the hype was about around because <laughs> 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 it's it's like it's it's basically just like we talk about in our book on plotting. You know, they focus a lot on the characters and the character arcs and the character developments and their interrelationships. You know, they have this intergalactic war going on against something called the Cylons. Okay. Uh, so that does take up it's a fair amount of airtime, but they focus just as much on the characters and their personalities and relationships. And, and, and I really like that. Oh, and I think that's really what makes the show good uh, or takes it like a notch up, you know, uh, the, the war against the Cylons. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. It's very sci-fi. It's like what uh-huh. you would expect from the genre. And that alone is, is it's okay, you know. But if that was the only thing they had in there, I think it would just be mediocre. But okay. what makes it really good is because of all the character development that goes on in there. So it's just very, very much aligned with what we said in our plotting book, to be honest. That's well, that's a good sign. I guess one of us, either they or us or both of us, were on the right track. And I'll have to keep that on my in mind because my husband's taking a bit of a trip out west and is actually gonna be away for about three weeks. And I don't want to continue oh, that's the show. A long time. It's a long time, and I don't want to continue the show. As we usually watch one show at night, uh, we're so right. like structured, and so we watch our only show, and we've been watching certain series together. So I don't want to continue those. So I've been, I've been debating: oh, do I go back and start season one of Supernatural, which will that would keep me entertained for quite a while? But right. I'll keep that in mind. So if I decide to try something new, Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, if you want to... I don't know if you like sci-fi, but uh, I quite enjoy both sci-fi and fantasy, to be honest. Uh, oh, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Excellent. Well, I'll keep that in mind. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. All right, so we talked about what to do for episode 100 a few times by now. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Some of you also gave us some ideas. You posted them to us. So, so thank you very much for the input and, uh, well, taking out the time to share your thoughts with us. We really appreciated that. But I think as well, we've made up our mind now, haven't we, Autumn? We have. We debated our own ideas and talked about the suggestions that were given to us. And I think we came up with a pretty good plan. It didn't. It wasn't the first one we hit on, but once we hit on it, we just kept coming back to it. So I think that means this is the one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know if it's very original. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we, we had a lot of different things sort of juggling and, and we were debating back and forth. And there was some really good ideas that some of you guys posted to us. So thank you for that. But some of them just... Well, they required too much of, uh, well, for example, reviewing, there was some very good ideas about what about reviewing some writing and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but we we didn't really feel comfortable with reviewing somebody's writing on air like this, and I don't think many people would feel comfortable getting their writing reviewed on air like this either, so... And besides, we thought that, okay, but then we need quite a lot uh, of different things to be able to fill 45 minutes of an episode that is also interesting. So that didn't gel very well with us. So we sort of went away from that and we went back to, I think, some of one of the first idea we had, but then we went away from it, but we then came back and that was basically that we want to try to run a Q&A session. Yeah. Um, but not just like a regular Q&A, but more like, 
ask us anything kind of episode, you know? And that's so, why I think it's, it'll be so much fun because, yeah, they, it could be, you know, someone asking about our own writing, um, the crazy road trip I did with my husband and, you know, being a soccer coach or specifics about books and marketing and writing. So it's the whole gamut. Yeah, yeah but just, you know, ask us anything. It uh, doesn't have to be with writing, marketing or publishing, but it could be anything you're just curious about, you want to hear about. Uh, I I teased on a past episode that maybe you want to hear about the the time I had to put my hands on a power cable to and to and people were watching me to see if I was going to die before they decided <laughs> if they were going to touch it. So maybe you want to hear that story. <laughs> but whatever you want to know, uh, we you you can ask it and and we will uh, we'll try to to get it answered in episode one hundred. Uh, it is still a bit out uh, in terms of time-wise here, but I think we need to start talking about it now because we need, of course, to be able to have a full Q&A session, we need to have enough questions. So basically, you should start sending them to us now. Um, And uh, we have included a link in the show notes to the contact form on our website. Uh, So you can just go there and type in your question if you want. But... There is something we would very much more love for you to do, isn't that right, Autumn, rather than yes. sending in text questions? Yes, we are going to give a preference to anyone who sends us an audio or a video that we can pull the audio from of the question, because this is a podcast and we would love to have your voice on here asking the question. I think that'll just be so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, this stuff, right? You know, uh, just use your phone or whatever and uh, just yeah. record, uh, yeah, well, a video file where you're just posting your question. You don't have to film yourself if you don't want to. Just film the wall or something. <laughs> it doesn't matter because we, we're just going to strip the audio off uh, so we can play it here on the podcast instead. So, yeah, we would love some audio questions rather than just text ones, but if you only want to send a text one, then please do that. Um, and we will or sort you of... Know, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, if you want to do an audio, if it doesn't want to be your voice, if you're horribly shy, you can get someone ask, else to ask your question for you. Be inventive. It'd be fine. As long as it's legible and we understand it and it's in English, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. English would be preferred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least if you want us to answer it. <laughs> yeah. I guess if someone asks in Danish, you can translate for us, but you know... <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Yes, uh, it would be fine as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that I, I'm looking forward to episode 100. That should that should be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it goes without saying. Without enough questions, it's not going to be very much. Well, I guess you can always listen to us sitting here twiddling out thumbs for 45 minutes if you want. <laughs> we can ask each other questions, but yeah, no, well, I think I think we'll get enough. Just just send in your questions. It'll be really fun and. I think it'll be a different episode. So it'll be a little bit, you know, we'll try something new for a change. (laughs) And on to today's topic. Okay, so we are talking about launching nonfiction books today. And just for reference, uh, in case you're coming in on this episode, we are talking about the launch we did for our plot development book and the associated workbook, as well as uh, the book we entitled Story Ideas. 
So th- that last one is like a short and quick to read companion book. But we launched all of those three books here uh, recently, uh, actually from just a, a couple of weeks back from recording this. Um, so, so yeah, just for context, that's what we're talking about when we are talking about three books uh, that we recently launched. So that yeah. was just a service info from new listeners. <laughs> yeah, so we released them August third, which when this is when this video or this podcast is released, that will be almost just over a month ago. And why again did we do three books at once? Uh, I don't. I still don't know how that snuck up on us like that. <laughs> Well, it was like, yeah, the initial idea was only to, of course, write the plotting book. But then when I started writing it, one of the first thing I came to was like, okay, but if we have to start talking about how to plot a novel, obviously there needs to be like a story idea. And then I started debating with myself, should I just make like the intro chapters about developing story ideas? But then I felt like, yeah, but there is some other stuff I want to say about you know, get, getting inspiration and stuff like that. And I didn't feel like that that fitted in very well with the rest of the book. So I was like, oh, no, okay, fine. And so I think I, I said to you, Let, let's do a short story idea on the side. And you said, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then and I wrote the- a bit more. And then I thought like, <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of exercises one could do for each of these chapters. I wonder, maybe we should make a, a workbook a as work well. <laughs> and then I came back to you again. Should we do like a third book as well? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and so I think the plotting book and the workbook do make sense together but I have to say looking back my first advice to anyone doing this try to release one book at once I think <laughs> or at least give yourselves a little bit more time because I think on my end because I handled the editing and the typo slaying or the, the feedback from our typo slayers which we'll get to in a few minutes and then the formatting and uh, crunching that all in with three books at once in a deadline because we already had the pre-order up was like, oh, what? <laughs> so, but we will get into some of that and some of it's good and some of it was just like, wow, that was, it was a lot of steps in there. But yeah. we should back up and start with the beginning, which you already kind of handled. We handled the, where these ideas came from. So I think the next part is, okay, so we had the manuscripts and we're launching nonfiction books. How did we go about it? What was our first step that we did when we had the manuscripts in hand after editing, obviously? Yeah, of course, we could could mention here as well that uh, we did share our entire launch process in episode 72 and all the different steps that we take. So uh, I don't think we're going to, go over all the different steps here all over again. So check out episode 72 if you're interested in learning all the different book launch steps that we we usually take. Um, But I I think what is worth mentioning here is something around expectations because I think that's a good thing to discuss when we're discussing book launches in general. Um, because, uh, you know, it goes without saying, obviously everybody wants to run as an optimal, a book launch as possible with, and getting the best results possible. Obviously that it goes without saying, right. Um, Yeah. But the other, the one is, but the other part of this is to sort of 
yeah, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but like you can come into the book launch thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to launch these books and I'm going to earn a gazillion dollars and it's going to be great and have a lot of expectations, right? Um, right. But I, I think one of the things we did at least going into this, even actually before we started writing these books, was that we did a bit of market research about how much are books on plotting selling in general? You know, is it like a... Mm-hmm. Is it something you sell a lot of books from or not? And what and and we even before we started writing, going in, we already knew that this is not the type of books where you usually sell a ton of books or a ton of copies. It, it's mm-hmm. you, you you can earn some money from this topic and these kind of guidebooks on plotting, but it's not like a uh, like a hot topic. You know, it's not something like you, you're gonna sell a ton of. Uh, books for so that that's important going in that you sort of know what i'm what am i going to because otherwise you're going to get disappointed absolutely i think that's um i mean everyone wants their book to do well and they would love a runaway bestseller and there's always maybe that secret hope lying there but these were books 17 18 and 19 in my catalog with my name on them and I'm just not at that point where it's like, I, I know it's it's not a sprint, it is a marathon. So what I want is that to write something that is quality, will last a long time, and will be valuable and loved by other people, you know, whether it's a fiction or nonfiction. So I always look at it, it's not what happens the first day, the first week, or the first month. So I, oh, I think I go into every book launch saying, yay, they're live, you can go get them. And absolutely adoring what really blew me away with these three books is some of the comments from the typo slayers that helped with the editing and the proofreading and then went in and did with the reviews. And they were just phenomenal feedback. People love them. Authors just said this, you know, this restored my passion. This helped me find something, you know, I've been missing for ages or that I overlooked and you said it in a way that I never clicked before. That made it more worthwhile than the little orange tags that did show up i have to admit that was so exciting did show up on all three books that we hit number one new releases so that was fantastic but yeah i didn't go in thinking we are gonna hit number one on amazon and we're gonna make a thousand dollars in one day on these books that's not what i was going in and looking for i was going in saying hey at the time it was like oh my gosh authors really love this and they're very appreciative we wrote these books and that was the icing on my cake and that we'd been talking Mm. about getting them done for like a year or so (laughs) just getting them out the door made me very very happy this is our year of getting things out the door that have been sitting at the threshold for a little too long so i'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) no that's true but uh, and i think the other part of this is that essentially we did write these books probably more for ourselves uh, meaning that uh, we're heading into writing fiction jointly as well so because of that we needed to have a solid process in place between us on how how are we gonna figure out what the stories are that we're gonna write together and we need and especially once you're co-writing it it needs to be pretty damn clear <laughs> from the beginning where we're gonna <laughs> go with the story and, and what's gonna happen what are the character arcs and all of that stuff so we needed a guide ourselves, and that, I think that was basically the main driver for writing the, these books in the first place, more so than it was, you know, how much money are we going to earn from it? Yeah. And that, that was, that's secondary, to be honest. 
Yes, uh, we didn't. Of course, follow it's not to say that we don't want to sell copies of. Obviously, of course, we do want oh, that, yeah. but but it, that was not the main driver. No, we didn't do the market research to find that one niche where we thought we'd make you know six figures. And yeah, there are ways of doing that. And there's other, I think, topics and podcasts of trying to narrow it down and write a book to basically get an instant bestseller. We did focus on a process for ourselves and a process that is solid that will help other authors. And that's really kind of why they came about. And yeah. I definitely think that was that helps color our view. And of course, it was also really good to get to run through our launch sequence and see how everything worked. And successfully, obviously, we did a very good job. You, you were in charge of the keywords and selecting the categories. And you did an excellent job because all three books did hit number one new release. So that was wonderful moment uh we i was actually disappointed that you know those number one new release tags that don't like somehow get archived on your book page i mean come on yeah. amazon if something hits number one you should have like some lingering trace of it just to make the author happy <laughs> you know what i would really like if if whenever you get one of those orange tags i would love if amazon would just set up their system so that they automatically send you a screenshot of it or something Oh, that would be so sweet. Because it's so annoying. You have to sit there yourself and you have to watch it and, and you have to see the ranking climbing. And then when it gets high enough and, and you get the tag, then you have to screenshot it. If you miss it, it's just gone. It's just like, oh. it's annoying, right? I mean, why can't <laughs> they just email you to say, hey, congratulations, you became number one in this category and then just send you uh, some sort of either you know screenshot or just a batch or whatever i don't care yeah. but just something so that you don't have to watch it manually that is it feels so 80s <laughs> yeah why do i have to sit there and watch the screen and refresh i mean it makes no sense but that's, that's so the way true. it is it is yeah. Uh, yeah i would i had always envisioned that they would you know automatically just send you a little badge you could put on your cover yeah. or at least you know stick something on your own book page uh, but Indeed. alas it's not true yeah. But basically, yeah, it was a lot of picking. Well, it, it was down to picking the right categories, of course. And we're going to talk much more about this in, in our brand, brand new course called Self-Publishing Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we release this later this year, uh, there we're going to talk much more about selecting these categories and whatnot. Because to be honest, becoming the best, getting that bestseller tag on Amazon, if, if you just know a bit about what you're doing there, it's not difficult. It's not like we saw a ton of books to get that. Uh, if you pick the right categories, it's, it's not that hard. Um, so you just need to be well aware of what you're doing there. Um, and the other thing is, which again, we're going to talk a lot more about that in self-publishing success course as well, but basically all of this came from just us leveraging our email list. We didn't really do anything else in terms of, uh, advertising. I mean, we did not run any, uh, ads, paid ads to, to these books, uh, at all. Um, we had, we didn't even have any Amazon ads running during the pre-order phase or anything. It was purely from the email list that uh, bumped them up to bestsellers, all three of them. So, so that was of course great. Uh, that was, do you think it is easier to get a number one, like new release on a nonfiction versus like a fantasy where there are some subgenres, but they seem to be pretty full. It's really hard to find a subgenre of fantasy that is empty enough where you think you're going to hit it with just, I mean, I don't know how many sales, but you know, a hundred sales or something like that. It's, 
at least it felt easier on the nonfiction. Every time I release something in fantasy, I just kind of already have that kind of hopeless feeling of, yeah, I either have to really <laughs> lie about what kind of story this is just so I can get that number one new release tag, or I'm just going to say it's it's. I'd rather have it in the right category and just heck with all the best selling stuff. As much fun as it is. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're talking about an epic fantasy novel, then indeed, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. it's much easier with these. Uh, I th- oh, somebody's driving behind past my window. I hope it doesn't make too much background <laughs> noise. Sorry for that. Um, but um, uh, you can also do it with fiction. I think it depends on what kind of fiction is that you write and and what categories that would fit into. But if if it is indeed epic fantasy, then and you stick it in epic fantasy, then of course it's very very difficult to to get a bestseller tag in, in that category. Uh, and nonfiction, you have you have more leeway, of course, and also some of these categories there's not a lot of competition in them, so that makes it mm-hmm. by default fairly easy. I mean, if you can sell, I don't know, let's say. 40, 50 copies in a day, then you're probably going to be bestseller, right? And if you have enough on the email list, that's not difficult at all. Basically, it's it's fairly (laughs) easy, right? So, so that, yeah, that's just, it's just a matter of knowing what you're doing there and and doing a bit of research on these categories. And we're going to explain all of that in the, in the self-publishing success course. So, yeah, talking about email list, by the way, if you want to be one of the first people to know when this course is available, then uh, just head on over to amwritingfantasy.com. Uh, we have some different sign-up forms on different pages over there, but just grab whichever one appeals the most <laughs> to you and then sign up there. Uh, but then you'll get onto our email list and, and we will make sure to let you know uh, as soon as this uh, free course is, is out later this year. Yeah, maybe since... um. I'm in charge of the website. I could maybe go in there and I'll do a blog post or something like saying, Hey, if you want to know about this course, you know, sign up here. And that way we can uh, get some people on a waiting list. (laughs) So you're not struggling to try to figure out where can I go? If I want to hear about this, because these two actually, we're going to have three courses. So we did just three books. Now we're gonna have three courses coming out this fall. We're like in (laughs) sets of threes at the moment. Apparently so. Yes. Apparently so. I wonder what the next thing is because there's three, as my mom likes to say, um, you know, things come in third. So we have three, we'll have three sets of threes. And then I don't know what the third set of threes is going to be, but apparently there'll be something. Yeah. Yeah. But actually (laughs) I was wondering, I had a question for you here. uh, Okay. Because I was wondering when we were heading into the release of these three books, we also, we were also in the middle of the pandemic, as we all know. Yes. Did you have any, you know, initial thoughts heading into it about w- how and maybe or maybe not it would affect book sales in the pandemic or or did you not really think about that heading in? I I think I had been thinking about book sales in May because when the pandemic hit, uh, I saw book sales go up because so many people were home and they were picking up new books. And with the pre-order, we actually had the price drop. So I made sure that I was letting people know saying, you know, if you're interested in these books, we have this pre-order sale. Once they're released, the prices are going to go up. So now is the time to get them. And I was thinking, you know, this is probably if people right now have more time, a lot of them are, I know uh, it's a quick side story. Uh, One time, since I worked for the government, we were on furlough. So 16 days without pay, sent home because the government was shut down. So I had two weeks off, didn't know if I'd get paid again. And 
it was an amazing experience in its own way because it was just like, hey, this is what it's like to do what I want to do in my own time. I worked on my own business. I worked on my writing. I worked on, I was building a house at the time. And I went back to work afterwards saying, crap this. <laughs> I want to go do that some more. Right. I was and I've been thinking throughout this entire pandemic that a lot of people have been sent home. They know what it's like to be working for someone else. And then they get this eye-opening experience. And so many people have taken the time to learn, take extra lessons, to build new experience, beef up things that they want to do and have always wanted to try because they had the time and they, they might have lost their job or they're at home because you know their business is closed down. And so I was thinking, there's going to be some people who have always wanted to write a book, who are now trying to write, struggling, and a book on plot development might be right up their alley, especially if the, you know, the people picked up our podcast, they picked up other stuff that we've been doing. And so they're going to be like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get this. So I thought, this is actually going to be a good thing. This is, to me, the pandemic has been great for people who want to try something new and are really reaching out. Unless, and in the other way, it's the other half of the equation. It's been horrible for people who have suffered from depression and anxiety. It's it's mm. a schism between the two. So I try yeah. to stay in the happy side, but definitely I thought they had a pretty good chance of actually helping the book's release. Yeah, yeah. No, I, what I did think you think? Right. Were you thinking it would be... No. Were you thinking, No. <laughs> No, I, I think probably very similar. Um, I mean, what we have seen afterwards as well it was the, is that there is an uptake in online book sales during the coronavirus, actually quite significantly uptake mm -hmm. uh, because people are staying at home, so they're, they're reading more. So I wasn't really concerned about that going in either, where I mm -hmm. do think in hindsight here that we might have made a mistake was that we... We released these books in the middle of the summer holidays. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I, I guess the devil's advocate here could say that summer holidays doesn't matter. We were Everybody was home anyway. But <laughs> I don't know. But still, it feels to me like that timing was a bit off there. I could see that. And especially in the States. So it was early August when we released them. And the way the mental attitude in the United States has been is by this point, you know, they're pushing to reopen a lot of the states, whether or not we were safe or ready to. And I think people are just kind of even talking to my parents who have been incredibly good at staying in quarantine and self-isolating. They're just mm. done with it. They're they're so ready to be done with it. So I think there yeah. is a mental yeah. exhaustion with the pandemic and staying home and reading another book. So and the fact that things were open, the beaches were open, we we're in the middle of summer. So I do think that, you know, it's one of those years. I mean, you could, we scheduled it over a month and a half out with, with the pre-order and we picked the date. Yeah, It was like June, you know, end of May, June. We're like, it's going to be August 3rd. You don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, an asteroid could have hit the planet by that point. We just did not know. And you never do with pre-orders. And you do have the opportunity to push them further back because you don't know if, you know, some dire event could literally happen a few days. There are people who released books on September 11th because they did not know what was going to happen in the world that day. It's always, there's always a chance. So I, I'm glad we stuck with it. There's always a chance we could have pushed it, you know, said we needed another week. There was times when I was formatting going, oh my goodness, if I get another email about, you know, we had so many typo slayers sending in emails 
some of them sent in pages of comments and, you know, change this or one thing <laughs> off here. I was shocked. Usually, you know, you get back from your fantasy books and usually from I mean I hear from my beta readers or alpha readers or arc readers, they're like, oh, you know, there's like, you know, if one of them has 10 comments to change, that was a lot. But we had some incredibly skilled, detailed readers that picked up on stuff that our two editors missed. And I think one of them, when I, I copied it out of the email and stuck it into pages just so I could save it and like delete them as I went through it. It was over 10 pages of comments. <laughs> and so there was enough of those that I was like, there was a few times I was like, I can't do this. I, I, I got, there was enough that I wasn't even sure if I had already checked them. So I had to check all of them every single time. And I usually have a very good like memory that way of being able to say, no, I did that when I did that when I did mm -hmm. that, one. I couldn't mm -hmm. do that this time. So that would be one of my comments is that three books at once with, the incredibly amazing, powerful typo slayers that we had that were just, I cannot believe the level of picking up things that they had. If, if everyone re read this well, they could hire this team for like publishing companies. They were amazing. But uh, <laughs> there were times I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to get this done so that we can, I can get them to you while you were actually on vacation. You had to take off your vacation, open up your laptop and upload the final books once I got them to you. So, you know, the timing wise, we were juggling your vacation deadlines, lots yeah. of comments and feedback. And there was a few times I was like, can we do August like 20 something <laughs> instead of <laughs> August 3rd? But I do think it's important if you're going to announce something like a deadline and this is when we're going to do it. It's very important professionally, you know, to stick to it. And your readers are anticipating it. Our readers were anticipating it. And so I thought it was very important that we get it done, whether it meant a few extra days, sleepless nights, whatever. It mm. it got done and you took time off. You took like a solid like eight or nine hour day, I think, off of yeah, vacation did, yeah. to get yeah. all this done. Eh, that's what we do. Because we, yeah, yeah, we want to make sure. sure we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But, but, uh, but. I think that's also the lesson learned here about, you know, when we planned it initially, we should have thought about the early August might not be the best time. Uh, either do it earlier or do it later. But I think timing wise, that was a bit of a blunder uh, yeah. on our side. But yeah, you live and you learn, right? Oh, yeah, I think I mean, I kind of know that um, May, June is a very big book release month. It's like everyone is posting new releases. And I can see probably September is a good September, yeah. October is probably a good book release time. I honestly think. Well, I, I think any month yeah. is a good, to be honest. But but just in the middle, it's just it's like if you decide to release a book on the twenty fifth of December, you know that's not pretty smart, <laughs> right? So it's 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 just like you, you have a few times a year, or the first of January, that might be a bit stupid as well. <laughs> so yeah. there's a few times a year where you definitely want to avoid those. But other than that, I I don't think it matters if you pick April or May or September or October or November. It doesn't matter as long as you just. Yeah at least stay clear of those like maybe handful of times a year where you just know that this is bad timing right and in the yes. middle of the summer holidays is probably one of those that i try to stay clear of that but on the other hand of course <laughs> yeah. if you want to get the uh, bestseller tag in a category that's pretty damn easy though during those times <laughs> so yeah as long no as you can get selling. your email list to to do something while they're off <laughs> yes 
that's that would be the key. And I do say I know every time I look at my sales and they seem a little flatter than normal. I do remember there was a study that said any holiday, be U.S. or worldwide, you have to be careful because sometimes you know different countries will have a different impact. But any yeah. family holiday, so anytime you're going to be spending time with family you are just horrible about book sale weekends. So things were like Memorial day in the United States where you're having picnics, Thanksgiving, stuff like that. They're usually horrible book sale days. So those are, those are times to definitely think about avoiding or if no one is going to be selling any books and you can actually get your list to go by, maybe you'll do really well. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I wanted to return back to, well, just sales and expectations in a minute mm -hmm. here, but, but before going there, I was just thinking, Maybe we should jo just talk uh, a minute about launching wide and why we are launching wide oh, yeah. instead of uh, exclusive. So sure. I don't know. Do you want to say a bit about that? Well, I know you and I have both always had our books wide. I think I did put one series once in KDP Select for a little while just to see if it would do better there. And it didn't. I went back to wide. <laughs> a lot of my readers are already there. But for us, I think it's both a, a philosophy that to have all of your eggs in one basket, to have everything on Amazon and dependent on Amazon sales, selling and to be exclusive there just kind of curtails what you can do as an author. We, by not being wide, we can sell right off of our website, which we do do. And it's a fantastic opportunity to have those extra sales. And mm. plus, I, there are authors who want to be able to get this book on their Kobos, their Nooks. So we're wide so that we can deliver to those as well. And I know that's part, definitely part of why it is. It's sort of a, it's a business perspective because we don't want to be just, if Amazon, for some reason, if the United States government does manage to do what they want to do and break it apart, it's going to be total chaos. And I don't want to be just relying on Amazon to be my only source of book related income, not when I can put it on my own platform this way. No, indeed. Yeah. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the Kindle Unlimited. I mean, we might very well decide once we release some of our joint fiction, we might very well decide to put some of that in Kindle Unlimited. But I think that the point is more if you have everything only on Amazon, then you are, whether that's then Kindle Unlimited or not, it doesn't really matter in this context. But it's more like mm -hmm. if you're 100% dependent on Amazon and what Amazon decides to do, well, that's a very big risk to take with your author business. So we certainly don't want to do that. And and I also think on top of that, when we're looking at nonfiction titles like this, they wouldn't perform very well in Kindle Unlimited anyway. So it just no. makes sense to put them out wide. Yeah, there. I don't think there would have been any advantage to being on Kindle Unlimited for nonfiction, for books no, like this. I don't I think do so. I do see it maybe for a new fantasy series sometimes it's not a bad thing but i would probably only do the the one is a three month sign up and then pull them and go wide but that's also because you and i have a platform that is wide if i was a brand new author maybe i would do six months or a year on kindle unlimited because it's a they have some stuff that really helps new and upcoming authors and that might help as an advantage if it was our first books out there yeah, and as, as I've said before as well, uh, the algorithm on Amazon, it does give you a bit of an upside if you're in Kindle Unlimited. It does favor you, so so that is nice. Uh, but 
yeah, I, not to turn this into a Kindle Unlimited conversation as such, <laughs> uh, but it. I think it's also important to point out that it's a per book decision. It's not like yeah. you have to decide either or either all your books has to be white or either your books have to be in Kindle Unlimited. You know, it's it's a per book decision. You can have some books yeah. white, other ones in Kindle Unlimited for a short duration of time, a longer duration of time. Uh, I, I think perhaps. Well, we'll need to find out what we do with our joint fiction once we got that far. But it could be that we stick them in Kindle Unlimited and see how it, how it goes. If it goes really well, maybe they'll stay there for a good while. Maybe we pull them out after three months uh, because we want to put them wide. But yeah, this is, of course, a whole different conversation. But I guess what I could say is that as well in our case here, even though we published wide, 90% of our sales came from Amazon. And yeah. That's basically also what I expected, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I do wish that the competitors would grab a bigger market share in the future because competition, you, yeah, I mean, like real competition for Amazon yeah. will actually serve us authors well. Uh, but yeah, there's just no way around that. For the time being, at least, Amazon is just a big boy in the schoolyard and they scoop up <laughs> most of it. So that's just the way it is. Um, we did get some sale from the other stores, but it's not worth mentioning really compared to Amazon. Yes, that is the sad truth. But if we don't keep supporting those other platforms, they'll never grow big enough to uh, give a little bit of competition to Amazon. So that's why I like, you know, being wide and supporting them. But yeah, it's definitely a per book decision. It's sort of like uh, whether if you could be a hybrid author, some of your books might be with a publisher. Some of them mm-hmm. might be true, independent and published. That yeah. is certainly fine. It just makes you stronger and maybe a little more diverse and dynamic as an author. Yeah. I, I think overall, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with the launch. Um it went according to expectations. It, it did not sell more or less than sort of what I expected. Uh, of course, it's always nice to have even more sales. <laughs> I guess you could yeah. always say that. <laughs> but uh, but given how we've run no paid advertising during the launch at all, and we only relied on the email list, I, I think it was uh, an acceptable result. I'm thrilled with it. I think it was great. And like I said, to me, it was the comments from the typo slayers and then seeing the reviews as they got posted. And again, even for us, the reviews were, uh, we gave the typo slayers quite a lot of time because they were not small books. Well, at least the plotting book was no, not yeah. a small book. And so what is it, it like 90K books. words or something? Yeah. 90,000 words, I think. It was nonfiction, so this is not something you get caught up in and getting to the climax. I mean, this is like, a lot of them said, yeah, I, I was reading it, and then I started working on my book, and then I'm like, okay, I have to finish this, and I have to, now I'm going to go back and do all the exercises. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was kind of, we gave them a lot of time, and I do think that was an advantage, because some of them signed up for all three books. But because we gave them some time, and it was the summer holidays, a few people have been really, who had said that, hey, yes, yeah, of course, I want to sign up, I want to read this early, and then I'm going to do a review for you guys, have not posted the reviews. And again, it's summer, it's back to school, it's a pandemic, and they also had probably three, four weeks before, you know, they wrote a review, or they put it on Goodreads, or they sent us an email saying how much they liked it, and then the actual release, you know, there's a, you lose a little bit of steam, and so that's a that's a difficult one to feel out. It's much easier to release one book, a fiction book that people are really excited about. And you can kind of shorten up that timeline and get all that excitement on crunch time together. 
where with nonfiction and so many books, we had a lot more space. And I think we might have lost a little bit of that real excitement to get things posted. What Mm, happens that you can't post the reviews. Yeah. Until the release. So those are things to consider. Uh, We did what we did and I'm still very happy. Yeah, I think it was fine as well. Uh, we have now, now we are, well, uh, some, at the point of this recording, we are some weeks past uh, release. So we've now turned on some, some test ads on Amazon, which, well, it's basically more uh, to collect data. Uh, to see what kind of keywords people are clicking on so that we can use that data to dial on the ads uh, a bit later on. So you can definitely tell as well that the sales and the ranking on Amazon is dwindling now, uh, which Mm -hmm. is also makes sense. Of course, you know, uh, uh, the email list already got the emails about the (laughs) release. They already bought what they wanted to buy now. So now we are into the Amazon market space, meaning that it's up to try to find people on Amazon who would like this kind of book. Uh, And yeah, as we said before, here in 2020, it is extremely difficult to get visibility (laughs) for your books unless you use paid advertising. And and that's just the name of the game, and that's okay. So we're currently collecting some data, and then we can dial on the ads as we get a bit further along. But we end this for the long term, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, we'll probably spend the next four weeks or so slowly gather, gathering the data we need to to use for future ads, and then over time, we'll, we'll get the ad sets to to work and 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 focus on the ones that converts well, and then we'll we'll get there. So, I think overall, Autumn, if we are to reach any sort of conclusion here. Yeah. Uh, I think that the best lesson probably to draw from all of this is to one, go into the launch with realistic expectations. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. I can concur with that one. Yeah. Uh, And also, and perhaps even more importantly, I think you said this first, uh, and then I just mentioned it a minute ago as well, (laughs) but think long-term rather than focusing on getting bogged down or even very, very frustrated with how many or how few sales you you made uh, on a very short-term notice because that's, I see that quite a lot. You know, people are getting really hung up about whether did I sell 15 copies or 25 copies yesterday. And well, yeah, it's nice, of course, if you sell a lot every day, but try to distance yourself a bit from that stressful environment there and, uh, Look at it long term instead. I think that's much better. I think so. I think every time I see someone being negative or even if I'm like, oh, I want to sell more books. Well, then think of ways of doing that and make actionable steps. Wishing for it is not going to make it happen. So think long term. Say, okay, hey, I need to try some new strategies because my book sales are dwindling or, you know, I should do AMS ads or I should check my keywords or I should do some more promos. If you're feeling frustrated about your book sales, take that energy of frustration and put it into something more creative. Like, how can you market better? Go watch a video on it. Go listen to a podcast like ours and (laughs) get some inspiration and ideas on how to market. Don't just sit there and get frustrated. But definitely going in with those realistic expectations and then having realistic expectations on book sales and considering it as a long-term plan. 
And I would definitely, I would add to that, that unless you have even, I mean, we're a team, so we have a, you know, people around us and we had other typo slayers. So we had a huge network helping us out to produce these books, which was fantastic. And it was still overwhelming with three books. So make sure you have a bite-sized <laughs> chunk. I think that's my third takeaway is you can be ambitious, but make sure you don't burn yourself out and need your own vacation <laughs> after releasing uh, the books. <laughs> I can hear you have something against my strategy of releasing several books at a time. I, I can sense, oh. the, I can sense <laughs> the pushback. <laughs> well, at least it was nonfiction. I can say definitely if you're writing a series, I can see the advantage of releasing book one, book two, book three, but I think like a month in between so you can celebrate each one and catch your breath and then go for the next one. But you know, if we do it again, I, well, if I get overwhelmed, I'll just go hire a formatter. <laughs> I actually probably never would. I'd be like, ah, I got to format more, but it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Next, maybe next time we should find out to write four nonfiction books and then release those. <laughs> and I, what's sad is I'm already working on our next nonfiction one. So <laughs> and we've talked about breaking it up into two. So we'll have to see how this goes. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> All we right. learn from our mistakes. <laughs> no. So next Monday, we will discuss not only how to find, but also how to work with a graphical designer. So that will be interesting. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>